familiar, Seth Keschel. Ian Trotsky here for Discussions of Truth. I have uh, a very uh, imposing, physically imposing, very large person with me, uh, very handsome. Uh, he happens to be uh, what appears to be a conservative. Uh, I'm joined now by uh, Gunnar Torderson. Gunnar, uh, introduce yourself for listeners. Yeah, so uh, my name is Gunnar Thorderson. I am a uh, ambassador for Turning Point USA. You've probably heard of Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens. Um, I'm also the vice president for Today is America. Uh, and, and basically, you know, our, our view is today is not about China. It's not about Russia. Today is about America. And we got to put America first. And um, what we do, we, we're actually a huge network of over 400 Generation Z social media influencers and activists who control the narrative online. Most of the memes you see that circulate the internet, we either made them or share them and get them viral. And uh, you know, the reason why we got involved with the young people is because we were seeing from the polls, uh, you know, the latest Gallup poll, 70% of the young people, they either have positive or indifferent views towards socialism, okay? And uh, 60%, they think the government should have a larger role in our lives. And uh, I'm very skeptical of the government. I don't trust much of anything that the government does. Um, And so that concerned me. And we felt like we needed to get involved with the young people so that we could communicate and engage with them and start winning on those issues as well as on, on cultural issues as well because we've been getting hammered in the culture war. And so that's kind of our mission. Um... And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about a lot of issues. That's great. So, uh, uh, Gunnar, you, you, you talk about the, the, the government and your personal uh, standpoint uh, on, the, on the government. And I want, you know, that, that 60 number, the 60%, that's, that's, that's a high number. It's a 6 out of 10, if you will. Uh, we can talk about that. But what is it with the government? You, you, why is it that you, you, you've made that comment about the government and trust? What is it about the government that makes you skeptical? Well, I, what, I think the biggest red flag is that we've just seen – the Democrats weaponize these government agencies to go after their political opponents. Using the FBI to go after Trump, um, I, I think, is, was a huge red flag. They're now using the FBI to go after parents, calling them domestic terrorists. Um, and so the, the more power we give the government, it just increases the probability that the Democrats will cheat, get into power, and then use that new power to eliminate us from the public square. And uh, and so I want to rein government back in, um, send power down to the people as local as we can. And, uh, and I think those are issues that we've just failed. We've been sleeping at the wheel to communicate to the young people. And, uh, and, and they've been taught that the government is the answer to all their problems. And, uh, and that scares me. And so that's, you know, it's why we, we do what we do. And, and we're hoping that we can, uh, you know, win over the young minds and uh, and make some inroads, and, and we're seeing some good uh, some good results from our efforts. What what are those What are those results? Are you are you spending your time on university campuses? How are you How are you going about targeting these people and changing yeah. and influencing them? So, as an ambassador for Turning Point USA, we uh, we're the largest organization on campuses. Um, <laughs> Turning Point USA also has a huge social media uh, influence as well. Today is America is completely online, so there's no campus presence. Um, but we have like an even larger online presence. We, we, we have millions of reach on uh, TikTok and Instagram. And so, you know, when, when we take an issue that's, you know, maybe relevant or, or uh, a recent event or something, and we, we have a conservative take on it, 
we're blasting that out to millions of young people who then engage with that content. And, uh, and we're just, yeah, we're getting them to, to at least see our, our point of view and, and engage with it. And hopefully through that engagement with our uh, activists and our influencers and, and the debates that follow, uh, we hope to win over young minds and, and win over their hearts as well. Gunnar, I'm going to ask you this question. So a couple of years ago, this is before the COVID-19 pandemic uh, the, the fiasco. His name is uh, Robert Spaulding. He's a, a Brigadier General retired the U.S. Air Force. And he's written a book about uh, the stealth enemy. And, uh, and, 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 and if I ask this question to you, Gunnar, uh, has the United States been invaded by a stealth enemy? Is there an enemy? What is that enemy? The enemy, I think, right now, the most present enemy is, is China. And I think that they have they've infiltrated our our our, our grid. Um, they've infiltrated our schools. Um, they've infiltrated the Democrat Party. I think Joe Biden's in bed with China. I think uh, there's there's so many uh, in, in, on the left that basically are in the pockets of China and will do whatever they want. And 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 the Democrats want power. They want they want to go toward an authoritarian. Um, you know, they won't out and out say they're they're communists, but they, they like what they see when they see how much control the Chinese government has over their people. And they want that same amount of control. They want that same power. And so I'm, we're very weary of China. And uh, and so we're trying to raise the issue on that. And, and, and uh, you know, we have supply chain issues with China. They, they, they make all our chips. Uh, the, the military is reliant on, on so many things that, that China produces. And, and they could literally put you know, secret chips or, or backdoor code in, into certain things that could decimate our military and, and decimate our power st- structure with a few keystrokes, and and that is alarming, and it should uh, it should concern every single American. Gunnar, prior to Trump getting into office, we had Obama eight years, and Trump bought a brought a style that was uh, some may say even even more right than than Bush that we had seen in Bush. Uh, but, but what was nice about Trump is that it seemed like he spoke his mind freely and he didn't care really what other people felt. And I think that was a breath of fresh air for, for many Americans. But he brought with his presidency two catchphrases uh, of interest. One would be fake news, which is basically uh, what, what's happening here is a combat to fake news. We're trying to get the, the truth out and accurate uh, uh, information, not opinions by uh, two, two uh, different uh, spectrums of the political aisle. But what, what's of interest here is he brought a term that became uh, mainstream in deep state. Yeah. Gutter, what is your understanding of the deep state? What is that? Yeah, so, you know, General Flynn, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, he's he's kind of exposed the spotlight to, to the, the security state, and this deep state that basically runs our government. You know, we, we think that our elected officials are the ones making all the decisions, um, but it's it's really the deep state that, you know, is behind the scenes, and, and they have way more power than we're, we're even aware of. And, uh, and so I think the deep state is a huge threat. And uh, I think we've given far too much power to bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., to unelected uh, people who, uh, who have way too much power. And um, we basically need to rein that power back. We need, to, we need to bring it under elected officials who are actually accountable to the people. And, uh, and I think what's been exposed about the deep state is, is probably 1% of what's actually going on. And, and so I, I appreciate and applaud the work that people are doing to expose the deep state. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I think people need to start asking a lot more questions about, you know, what the deep state's doing and, and, uh, you know, who's involved and who we really need to go after and, and how we can rein them in. That's a really good question. So 
the, the, the deep state seems to be manipulating the government or certainly officials in the government. Have you asked yourself, what is the deep state? Well, how do you define that? Your understanding, Gunnar, what, 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 what should listeners, how should listeners help identify from your experience and your understanding? What is the deep state? How do you, how do you define it, Gunnar? What is it? Yeah, I, it, it's tough. And, and you know, I, I, I don't consider myself a national security expert or anything. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's other people who are far, far better at explaining this than me. But, you know, as far as I'm aware, uh, you know, the deep state is, is several government agencies and people kind of behind the scenes, power brokers in Washington, some of which may be within those agencies, some of which may be retired from those agencies, but still have massive influence and control over those agencies and are able to sort of make decisions. I think the deep state had a huge impact in basically the, the election fraud that we saw on November 3rd and 4th um, to, to keep Donald Trump out of office. I think they saw him as this huge threat to the entire apparatus of the swamp and, and to the deep state. And, and, you know, Trump has people around him like General Flynn who, who uh, know what the deep state is and, and want to go after it and expose them. And, and they saw that as a, a threat that was existential to our country. And so I believe that they used every thing they had in their power to keep him uh, from, from taking power again, And uh, even though he won that election. Gunnar, what got you involved? Uh, you, you're working with uh, Charlie Kirk and, and Turning Point, and, and, and they are spearheading a, a, a large conservative movement uh, nationwide. They, they, they do a lot of great things. What was it in your personal experience, Gunnar? What was it in your personal life? They got you to say, you know what? Hey, I've got to stand up. I've got to be a voice for freedom and liberty. Yeah. What was it for you, Gunnar? It was it was censorship on campus. So, turning point, I got involved on campus because I was uh, basically not allowed to speak my mind in class. You know, my parents always taught me to try to get straight A's in school. Okay, and uh, and so I'd be in these these social science courses or. Uh, you know, I got an economics degree from the University of Utah, which is one of the most Marxist economics programs in the country. And uh, so I'd be in these classes and the professors, I mean, they wouldn't even try to hide their bias. And if you didn't like cheerlead Marxism, they would just give you an F, you know, they would, they would mark your papers down and, and, and you wouldn't even be able to pass the class. And so can you give an example of that? Do you, is something sticking out in your mind? This is oh, what? yeah. So like uh, there was a history of economics uh, course that I took and, and professor was just an out and out communist, um, full blown Marxist and name. Know, I don't remember his name. Um, I, I, I can try to find it, but, um, you know, he wouldn't, the, the, the questions on these essays would be subjectively graded. It, it wasn't like multiple choice. You have a right answer and wrong answers. It'd be like, tell me about the, the, the system of capitalism. You know, to describe the, the, the flaws of capitalism. And if you tried to defend capitalism, oh, you got zero points. You know, it'd be like... Dos capital. Yeah. If, if, if you weren't saying that capitalism was evil, that exploited workers, and that we needed to go to socialism, you were not going to pass that test. I mean, we're, these were just history, you know, it's, it's like these courses where it's completely subjectively graded by these professors. And you almost had to say exactly what they wanted to hear if you even wanted to pass the class. And these young people, they have far more courage than I did that are now standing up and, and basically taking a stand and, and failing those classes on purpose to try and make a point. I wish I would have had that courage. You know, my, my, my objective was to pass college. And so I had to pretend. 
I had to pretend to be a Marxist in some of these classes. And that bothered me to the point where I said, look, when I'm done with this class, like I'm going to fight like hell against this stuff because I can see how evil it is. So you, pl- you played along the past the class. Exactly. And then afterwards, it gave me an even stronger fire to fight against it. And I see Turning Point USA on campus and they're, they're protesting this Marxist, you know, takeover of our universities. And they're talking about how students are being censored. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I feel you 100%. And so I joined the cause and they ended up taking me in and, and I've been with them, you know, really ever since either as a field director or an ambassador. And, and that kind of got me really, really involved. There's a woman, that, one of the early guests on my show, her name is Charlotte Eiserbit, and she wrote a book. She was fired by Reagan for being exposed, uh, for being uh, opposed to a program called Betterment of Education Through Science and Technology. The book that she wrote, again, she was, uh, she was an advisor for the Department of Education on the Reagan administration. The book that she wrote is called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. This is back in the 80s. The education system has long been infiltrated. What we're seeing are some of the fruits of that perhaps today. Talk a little bit about some of the local to Utah or regional uh, politicians that you're working with right now that are having some effect on changing the communities on the ground, ground level? Yeah, well, I, there's a lot of representatives that have been big on free speech on campus. Kim Coleman, she's no longer in the, the legislature, but that, that was that was her primary issue was, was free speech on campus. So I worked heavily with her. Um, and, and then when we're talking about curriculums in our schools, uh, you have Utah Parents United who are, are you know, fighting the fight to, to figure out what's in these curriculums and, and get people to these school board meetings and, and uh, basically just fight it, fight back against this indoctrination. I think, uh, you know, ever since the postmodern era where these professors at these universities just wanted to deconstruct everything that America stood for and, and basically just, you know, call out the flaws of everything and, 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 and then champion socialism and communism at the same time. Um, and, and that was all that these universities would employ and, and like not even allow for an alternative view. And, and, uh, and, and we almost have just been asleep at the wheel and, uh, and, and conservatives are finally starting to wake up. But I mean, it's, it's going to be a long fight to, to win back those universities. Some universities, I mean, you, you, you go into those universities and your, your kid will be completely brainwashed. Like you know? what? Oh my gosh. All the Ivy leagues, all of them, oh, all of them. Yeah, all of the Ivy Leagues, they, uh, any fine arts school, I mean, it's, it's just, it's so bad at this point that, that almost we're, we're telling our young people, like, maybe you shouldn't even go to college because it's, that, it's getting that bad. Um, and so, I mean, I went to college, I got two degrees in finance and economics, and, and I, I love academics, I love the study of knowledge and, and expanding, you know, what you can learn. Um, but you can do a lot of that online now, you know, you can order you know, textbooks on, on uh, Amazon and, and sort of self-educate yourself. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd encourage these, these young people that are going to these schools to, to fight as, as hard as they can on campus to, to try and, you know, bring some fair perspective to these universities. And, and, uh, and legislature, le- legislatures across the country need to stand up and, and basically uh, fight for free speech on campus and, and, you know, do as much as they can to pressure these universities to hire more conservatives. And conservatives need to apply for those positions and get in there and, and, and basically help take, take back the curriculum so that we can uh, save the next generation. 
Gunnar, how do you view, you're sitting here with me and graciously, you happen not to be wearing a mask. In fact, I think most people around here are not wearing a mask. It seems like it might be getting two years into this pandemic. It might be getting a little bit old to be still wearing a mask, but some of us are still wearing a mask. In your view, what what is this COVID-19 pandemic some people refer to it as a plandemic yeah what is what is this what is it is there anything is there anything to this outside of the narrative of that this is yeah. a natural born yeah. a virus from a bat in the wuhan right. fish market is there something else going on 100%. here in your view yeah 100 i think what's funny is you know the timing of this was just so convenient for the democrats um that, that it just sort of raised every red flag in my head um, you know, our economy was, was the best it's ever been. Donald Trump was, was his popularity was higher than ever. Uh, I mean, he was poised to win re-election by probably the widest margin ever. And then boom, COVID-19 hits and the media just goes after him. He's the, it's Donald Trump's fault. He didn't respond quick enough. They call them racist and xenophobic for shutting down travel from China when the Democrats wanted to keep that travel wide open. And, uh, and, and anybody who said, well, hey, there, this came from Wuhan. We had evidence early on that, that it came from Wuhan. Hey, there's actually a virology lab right in Wuhan, right in the heart of where this came from. Is that a coincidence or what's going on there? And anybody who even brought up the idea that this could have possibly came from that lab, they were immediately deplatformed. They're Killed, gone. right? Yeah, so- literally. Some of them. I mean, uh, the, the woman that uh, came on Tucker Carlson's show, I mean, they, they literally canceled her. And, uh, and she was came from that lab and, and basically said, look, I've, I've got research papers and all this and that. And th- this came from the lab. And they just ostracized anyone who said that. No, this is far-right conspiracy theories. There's no evidence that this happened. This came from bat soup from the wet markets or whatever the hell. And, uh, and now, just recently, brand new evidence coming out that this Wuhan lab was doing gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. And now it's the leading theory that this thing came from from the lab, and even Democrats and, and independents alike are saying, "Yeah, it probably came from the lab." And it's like, what on earth? So, like, we've lost the ability in this country. If you're going against the narrative of the mainstream media, uh, you can't, or else you're completely deplatformed and censored. And it was we were right all along about questioning where, why this would come from the lab. And my thing is. Why, why did they fight so heavily to say there's no way it possibly could have came from a lab unless they knew it came from that lab and someone had a hand in releasing that virus from that lab? I don't have evidence of this, but I'm pretty sure there was some type of phone call between maybe Dr. Fauci, Bill Gates. Obama funded the Wuhan lab of several billion dollars. Dr. Fauci has been a proponent of gain-of-function research his entire career, and he was the the, the biggest voice out there saying there's no possible way this could come from the lab. And then he lied uh, to Congress saying that they weren't doing gain-of-function research. I mean, how more guilty can you look? And so I think he had a hand in this, and I think he should go to prison um, for having such a big hand in covering up the true origin of this virus. And why, why else would you want to cover up the true origin of the virus unless you had a hand in releasing it? So if there are people out there who deliberately released a virus, which now estimates, I mean, these could be off, it could be inflated, it could be, you know, it could be higher than this, but there are estimates that up to 4 million people have died from COVID-19. And if somebody deliberately released this virus from a lab to take Donald Trump out of office and killed 4 million people in the process, that's crimes against humanity like we've never seen before.
And if nobody gets held accountable for that, then our republic has failed. And people are going to lose complete trust in our republic, and we can't even question those issues. And so, yeah, I 100% think there's something fishy going on with this virus. And the fact that they're now using it to lock us down like we're seeing in Australia, strip us of our freedoms. I mean, people in Australia, they can't even leave their house without having some type of passport or without having cause to be out of their home. And they have to be vaccinated. And they have to have their most recent fourth booster shot. And they have to have shots every three months. I mean, this is full-blown communism. And so, yeah, we're going to fight against this with everything we've got. Because if we don't, we're going to lose our country and we're going to lose our freedom. There's speculation and perhaps some evidence that uh, shows that Fort Detrick uh, had uh, uh, and, and Fauci research that had something to do with, uh, with, with this gain, in fun- gain of function in Wuhan uh, virus. Is it possible, uh, Gunnar, is it possible that the, that, the, that the United States government is somehow involved in this yeah. pandemic? Yeah, and I, I, I haven't seen any research of that, um, but I, I would say there's, it's probably likely uh, with, with how much funding went through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that maybe it wasn't like officially the U.S. government, but it could very well have been, you know, a circle of powerful people that all lean Democrat and wanted Trump out of office no matter what that, that had a hand in, in, you know, releasing this virus, both so, they, both so that they could get rid of Trump and, and also so that they could uh, censor us. And uh, because I think they saw us as a growing threat. Look at all these people. Trump went and won over the people. We're the powerful elite who don't have the people behind us. So how do we how do we get these people canceled, take away their platforms and just tighten our grip on society? And COVID-19 was a perfect vehicle, a perfect emergency to do that all over the world. And you look at all these other countries that uh, don't have the freedoms and, and, and the guns that we do here. And. And they were completely locked down and, and they had they couldn't even leave their homes and and uh, vaccine passports. I mean, show me your papers straight out of the Nazi playbook. And so I, I don't know how much of a hand the, the U.S. government had, but I'm sure that there are people high up uh, in our government who certainly had a hand and, and certainly uh, were in those conversations and, and, you know, probably either looked away and did nothing or uh, knew it was going on. And, and that's why the mainstream media covered so heavily um, any theories of where this virus actually came from early on. Gunnar, I want to want to wind down and, and talk about your vision of uh, how to move forward as a country. Uh, uh, it seems like uh, certainly Trump was in line to be reelected and he certainly had that support. Uh, I think you alluded to that and you can expand on that. Before, I, before you talk about that, I want to ask you a question. See if you have any comments on the Federal Reserve Central Banking System for the United States. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, no, I think uh, our country is just, you know, excuse my French, but gone to shit ever since we got off the gold standard. Um, income inequality has completely gotten worse ever since we, we stopped having a gold-backed currency. Inflation has gotten so much worse. Um, and I think the Federal Reserve has had a huge hand in uh, making the ultra-rich, the billionaires of the billionaires, uh, even more powerful and wealthy, uh, while, the, while the common people ever since... Uh, the Federal Reserve got us off, off the gold standard. The common people have lost their purchasing power. Wages have stagnated. They haven't gone up. And when the currency used to be tied to something real and intrinsic value, intrinsic value uh, the, the purchasing power of, of, of the people was rising year over year. And uh, what's funny 
is you actually are now having people like uh, Edward, Edward Snowden and, and, and Jack Dorsey calling this out um, and basically saying, um, you know, I forget the year that this happened, but um, they're basically calling out the year that, that we basically got off the gold standards and what happened here. 1971. Be- yes. And uh, Richard Nixon. They called the, the, sh- the Nixon shock. Exactly. And Overturned the Bretton Woods Agreement, basically. Exactly. The Petrodollar. And, and the, the graphs... You see, you know, all of these these positive indicators going upward up until 1970, and as soon as that happened, it just stagnated for the people, and the rich just skyrocket. And so that is a huge issue for for me. And I, I think uh, if we don't tie our currency either back to gold or find something that we can do about it, this inflation issue that we're seeing that that is only getting drastically worse under Biden. We're either going to have massive inflation, hyperinflation, or some of the worst stagflation we've ever seen. And uh, if if there's no way we can tie our currency back to the gold standard, then I would advocate people just completely uh, ditch the dollar and go to cryptocurrency, where uh, there's actual uh, a limited supply and uh, and and something that it, you know whose value can go up over time. But I hope, and I'm you know. I have optimism that, that we'll be able to save the U.S. dollar and and uh, hopefully uh, take our currency back. So so wind down here, Gunner, with us and, and, and tell us what's your vision of, uh, of moving forward in, in America? How does America is divided, right? I mean, it right. seems pretty apparent here. We, all we have to do is turn on mainstream media and, and we get polar opposites, MSNBC, no. Fox News. It's almost like this is there's some type of an agenda going on here with this uh, Council on Foreign Relations, perhaps influencing media. Yep. Not sure. But the fact of the matter is that We've got two political parties that are clearly divided, and uh, one of them seemingly pulled out uh, some some weaponary actions, cheating, cheating on election, it seems, that sort of thing. How do, how do we unite, uh, Gunnar? How, how does this country, right? united you stand, divided you fall, right? So how, how, do, how do Americans unite here? How, how does that happen, Gunnar, and how do we move forward as a country? Well, I think right now the main problem is everybody just has super low trust in our elections. You look at the polls and even Democrats now, like 30, 40 percent are saying that they, they, they think that cheating was involved in the last election. You know, I, and, and that's just astounding that you would have the party in power saying uh, something definitely happened. And so I think we can rally around the idea that at the most basic minimum, we, we need to secure our elections so that. If, if the Americans truly want socialism and that's truly what the people believe, then okay, cool. But at least we know that that's actually what the people are voting for because right now we don't know that. We don't know how much of this is being influenced by China and uh, how much of this, these are fake votes. And so I think we should all rally at least behind, let's secure our elections. Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams just this, this week are now saying they thought their elections were stolen from them. And Stacey Abrams thinks she's the rightful governor of Georgia. And Hillary Clinton thinks she, she won the 2016 election. So there should be bipartisan support behind us securing our elections to the point where both sides can have faith in our system. Because if, if we don't believe that a republic at least represents the people, then we have a failed republic. And we should all want America to succeed and be a nation that, that has the highest standards of election integrity. And so I think that's, that's the, the, the unifying rallying call for both sides is let's secure our elections. You have to show an ID for everything. So why not show an ID to vote? And, and ballot harvesting is, it just sounds like the most like, ripe thing for fraud I've ever heard of. That should be banned. 
And, uh, and these are just simple things that we can do. Unhooking our voting machines from, uh, from the internet or going to paper ballots. I mean, there's so many things that we could do to, to bring trust back to our election system. And I think once we do that, then we can at least start to see, okay, this is where people actually have their views. And, and then we can battle out in, uh, in you know, the, the public square and, uh, and a forum of debate you know, where we want our country to move forward. And, and hopefully, and, and I think we have the people behind us, that'll be away from communism and toward more freedom for the American people. And, and I think that's sort of the optimism and, and the way forward. And, and if we can show up like never before to the ballot box after we've secured our election, I believe America has a conservative future. And I, I believe it's a, it's a freedom-loving future at that. Ladies and gentlemen, Gunnar Peter, uh, Torderson. 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 Thank you very much, Gunnar. Yes, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here.